2: Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. This show is in two parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law, and the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes you need to pay legally, avoiding going to court avoiding going to probate. And as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we, we you know, we talk about politics, history, nostalgia, religion, and we're going to keep focusing on politics right now because that's the, you know, we got an election coming up r- literally in a couple of days. And I know a lot of people have already voted. So we're going to focus a little bit on local politics. Um, we live in the uh, Brooklyn Bay Ridge section of Brooklyn and we're right across the bridge from Staten Island so there are a couple of elections that are happening that cross the bridge Staten Island and Brooklyn one is Nicole Malliotakis who's running against Max Rose and I was surprised I was surprised to get in the mail last week a uh, picture of Max Rose and President Trump uh, Max's Tr- um, Max Rose's uh, propaganda materials. Oh, now as far as I can <laughs> as far as I remember, Max Rose voted to impeach the president.
3: Yes, he did.
2: And to put his picture on his campaign materials, like he's campaigning with Max Rose. I mean, that shows something for some kind of polling out there in Staten Island.
3: Disingenuous. Yeah,
2: but also the other the other race that goes spans the bridge, so to speak, is Mike Tanusis, who's an attorney, former. A di- assistant district attorney, law and order candidate for Staten Island in and, and this part of Brooklyn. And then we're going to be talking to an old friend of mine from the Catholic War veterans, Marvin Jeffcoat, and his observations, he's been involved in politics a while, and his observations on the present state of affairs. He's running for city council next year in Queens. But before we get that, I'm accompanied today by my wife, Beth. Hello. And again, my son, Michael. Hello, everyone. Now, if you have an email question you want to ask about estate planning and elder law, and I guess we're going to focus on that a little bit more in the next few weeks after the election, Michael, where do you email us a question?
3: If you want to reach us with a question about estate planning, elder law, trust and estates, you can reach us at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Connors spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S.
2: Okay, and Beth, what's our question of the week?
3: Dear Mr. Connors... My aunt died two years ago, and the executor did not probate her will. How long is a will good for after death, Dale?
2: Well, technically, there's no statute of limitations on when a will has to be probated. Uh, In other words, occasionally this happens. Somebody dies, and then years later you find out they own some real estate you didn't know they own. Maybe sometimes they own real estate in another country. Uh, and you got to probate the will, and there's, there's no statute limitations on probating the will. But I'm still worried about this because why hasn't the executor done something? And I I just want to warn you this, and I I don't want to jump to any conclusions. But sometimes when somebody is delaying and probate the will, they have something to hide. Has some money been taken away, and they're hoping that time will, you know, sometimes it's very hard to try financial records from more than a few years ago, and. I gotta be wary. If some if there's an executor and there's a will to be probated and there are assets to be probated, why isn't it probated? And you gotta ask yourself that question. You gotta ask the executor that question. Assuming the executor you know, ask the executor why aren't you doing it? Now, if it's an older person who just can't move, well then maybe we look to who the alternate executor is. But at the same time, occasionally you know, somebody has a will, they don't probate it because they're afraid what may come to light, like maybe some money's missing, and they don't want to have to account for it. So my antenna would be up uh, if somebody's not probating a will. And sometimes a will doesn't need to be probated because there are no assets in the decedent's name alone, and you don't necessarily need to probate a will. And of course, when we do our planning, that's where our goal is that when you pass away, there are no assets in your name alone, and we don't have to go through probate. That's one of our goals in estate planning. So there's no statute of limitations, the the short answer to your question, there's no statute of limitations on probating a will. But at the same time, I'd be a little nervous. Why isn't the will being probated? It's because the, you know, it, it, it could be a lot of reasons. First, people procrastinate. Some people don't think do things for years. But in any event, i try to find out what the story is. I'd get a lawyer sooner rather than later. And you can always welcome to give us a call at uh, Connors & Sullivan. Now, we're going to take a short break. When we're back, we'll be talking to Kevin McCullough.
1: with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646. Or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash F. Once again, call 888-943-2646 and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement.
0: Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank and MLS number
4: 403-503. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Every week we promise you that you'll get a question answered from Mike Connors of Connors and & Sullivan. And he uh, takes great delight in trying to help you answer the questions that you have about estate care and elder law. And he rejoins us. Mike, this week's question comes from Clara from Brooklyn. She says, my husband is starting to decline. He's become more forgetful. And in addition to his health failing... What do I need to do now to prepare for the worst case? Uh, will he need to go into a nursing home? It sounds sad, Mike, but I got to figure this is somewhat common in what you guys deal with.
2: Yeah, it's common all the time. I mean, the first thing we got to look at to see if the husband is able, mentally able, to sign a power of attorney, um, and that's crucial in this case because God forbid he goes to a nursing home, we want to be able to legally get assets out of his name, put it in the wife's name. You know, depending on the circumstances. And you also may want to look at a healthcare proxy because maybe you have to make medical decisions on behalf on the behalf of your husband and you'd like the written authority to check his medical records through a healthcare proxy.
4: That would be two very practical first steps, Clara, and I hope it's helpful. Friends, if you've got similar questions, you can call Mike Connors and Connors and & Sullivan anytime, day or night, 718-238-6500. Uh, they uh, have a great team in uh, five different locations spread out across the Tri-State and ready to help you. 718-238-6500. You can also send your questions to askmikeconnors at com, where he will answer at least one here on Kevin McCullough Radio, and of course, we uh, Answer many more of them on his broadcast, which is Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. on AM 570 and FM 102.3, The Mission. Then Saturday nights and Sunday mornings at 6 p.m. and 11 a.m. on AM 970, The Answer. Mike Connors, thanks so much. You can hear Kevin McCullough
2: Monday through Friday on both of the stations we broadcast on, 570 The Mission and 970 The Answer. So thanks again to Kevin for you know what he does for us every week. Now uh again we have two two guests on today we're talking about politics and i i think some people forget about this if you go in there are a lot of people and i know them and i can't understand why they go in and they vote for president and then they stop voting for anybody else think about local elections are important They, they can be extremely important you know if a few more people voted in in Local elections, maybe President Trump wouldn't have been impeached. You know, getting back to our friend Max Rose here, who voted to impeach the president, now is putting campaign ads with his, you know, picture on. I'm sure Democrats are happy about that. Tell your Democratic friend <laughs> in Staten Island that uh, Max Rose is putting his picture with President Trump,
3: claiming he loves President Trump, now. or that
2: they stand together. And but you know, uh, elections are important. You know, so many people fought and died. So that we could be free and that we could participate in elections, you know. And, and here we are. A lot of us just throw it away. And then a lot of people I know, and and I'm astounded sometimes. A lot of people they they complain about the results of an election. They say this, that, what idiots they are. And then you ask them, did you vote? And sometimes people say no, or I forgot to vote. Listen, I remember Marty Golden from this district, a couple of years ago. The number of times we heard somebody, oh, it's a shame, Marty Golden. Um, didn't get reelected. And then you ask them and they forgot to vote because they didn't think it was that important. So please, vote this election. Let's, you know, we got a country to save, so to speak. I'm borrowing from other people. I'm sorry. But in any event, we're going to take a short break and we're going to be talking to one of those people running in a local election, Michael Tenusis, Republican conservative from Staten Island in Brooklyn.
5: We all know someone who's been touched by cancer. It's the second leading cause of death. And it took the life of my father, John Wayne. But even in his final days, he was thinking about helping others and publicly campaigning to raise awareness about cancer. His courage and grit inspired our family to do everything we could to fight the big C as my dad called it. So we did something about it and founded the John Wayne Cancer Institute 35 years ago to advance life-saving research. Our discoveries are fundamentally changing the way cancer is treated around the world cures are within our reach but we can't do it alone i'm patrick wayne and i'd be honored if you joined us in the fight against cancer you can make a lasting legacy by helping to eradicate this deadly disease together we can save lives to learn more visit jwcigiving.org that's jwcigiving.org
0: Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics
2: like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, obviously, there's an election coming on, and, and not the only election is going to be for the President of the United States. There are elections all across the country, and if you live where I do in Brooklyn and, and parts of Staten Island, There's an election for the assembly there, and we're very proud to have the Republican conservative candidate for assembly, Michael Tenousis.
6: Yes, thank you so much for having me on, Mr. Connors, and uh, thank you for all your support.
2: Okay, now, you used to be an assistant district attorney, and, you know, I think one of the major issues right now is bail reform and law and order. And can you tell the audience roughly what happened with bail reform? when the Democrats took control of both the Assembly and the Senate?
6: Sure. So I was, a, I was an assistant district attorney for eight years, uh, five years in the Bronx and then three years uh, at the Staten Island District Attorney's Office. I was prosecuting violent felonies. I've tried dozens of cases. Uh, and last year, in fact, I tried two high-profile murder cases uh, here on Staten Island. Uh, when the Democratic Party took over both the Assembly and the Senate, uh, there came with it also a radical progressive movement Uh, that passed laws that affect our quality of life. And one of these laws is the bail reform law. Uh, I knew as a prosecutor, once this law was passed, that I would no longer be able to adequately protect uh, my community, which is why I decided to run. Uh, I knew a law like this would not be effective, uh, given the fact that every criminal case should be treated on a case-by-case basis with different facts, different defendants, with different criminal records with different branch warrant histories. And I knew that a blanket law like this would uh, be a disaster. Uh, And it has proven so. Uh, Crime has gone up increasingly. I've been going door-to-door for the past uh, two to three months, and even before that for the primary. And public safety is the number one concern that the residents of uh, Staten Island and Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, uh, have in their minds. Uh, So I am running to fight those laws, and I am running to fight all of the radical progressive agenda Uh, that the legislature is pushing for.
2: Now, can you explain, like, if somebody's a victim of a crime, what does the DA now have to give the defense, the defendant? What information do they have to give them?
6: Yes. So the second part of this law, which I believe is even more dangerous than the bail reform law, is the 15-day discovery rule. Now, if you came to me as a victim uh, and you told me, Michael, I want to testify, I want this person to be held accountable, uh, but, you know, I'm afraid for my family. So what I would do is if the defendant was a dangerous individual, I would file for a protective order. You would testify in the grand jury and we'd be able to protect your identity up until the trial. The problem now is because they're on this movement of having uh, less defendants in jail, less criminals in jail, and more of them off of the street, they gave the district attorneys 15 days to turn over this information. Now you have to make yourself available Uh, To the defense attorney, you have to give over your contact information. You have to give over your address. And the problem with this is that when you are victimized by a career criminal, a lot of victims are reluctant to hand over this information uh, to defense. Uh, And I actually have some friends that were actually victimized, victims of burglaries, and they were hesitant about cooperating with the district attorney's office because they knew that all their contact information would now be available. Uh, to the
2: to the defense. So if I'm a witness to a murder and the defense attorney for the murderer asks for my contact information, you have to give it to him?
6: Yes, we have 15 days from the date of arrest uh, to hand over uh, this witness information or else be sanctioned. And this is the major problem that uh, it, it is all part of a movement to get more people out of jail and more people back into our streets. And they are doing everything they can to promote this agenda and to promote this radical progressive movement.
2: Well, let me ask you something. You talk about bail reform. Well, okay, so a guy goes in, he he robs a bank. Uh, he He's going to be held on bail, right? They're not going to let him go.
6: Actually, it depends. So uh, as of now, robbery in the third degree is one of the laws where uh, the judge would not be able to set bail on you, which is why uh, from a period in January through March – On Staten Island, we had 10 bank robberies here. Now, we didn't even have 10 bank robberies in the three years that I was at the Staten Island District Attorney's Office. So the reason for this is if you go into a bank and you're not holding a weapon and you're demanding money and threatening to use force, now robbery in the third degree is one of the laws where you are there. No matter what your criminal background is, no matter what your bench warrant history is, a judge is precluded uh, from setting bail. And I think that sets a very dangerous precedent. I think the only thing this does is embolden the career criminals to continue to commit these crimes.
2: So in other words, like if I get arrested and there's no bail and I don't show up at my hearing, in effect, I jumped and I committed another crime, can they, can they well, hold me?
6: So, so the, the laws now, if you, if you do not show up for hearing, and this is, of course, under the presumption that a judge will issue a bench warrant. And many times what happens is that when you do not show up for court, a lot of times uh, when due to the defense attorney's request, the judge will stay a bench warrant. And more times than not, they will stay a bench warrant rather than issuing it. Uh, And when they do issue a bench warrant, the warrant squad who works for the NYPD goes out to get you. But because of these laws, uh, bail jumping, it's not considered one of the crimes where a judge could set bail. So you could continuously bail jump and continuously bring you back to court, and they will continuously not set bail on you. This is the problem that we're facing. These are part of the laws that need to be fixed, uh, and we are facing a very dangerous time in New York City at the direction that we're headed.
2: Well, wait a minute. If this keeps going forever and I keep jumping bail, I'll never get tried and I'll never go to
6: jail. That's right. That's right. And by the time they figure out what happened, you'll probably be halfway to North Carolina. And and this is the issue. They do not want to hold people accountable for their actions. They want to have as many people out out of the jails and into the street because they like the numbers. And the problem is that our legislature, instead of taking a very close look at the criminal justice system, instead of speaking to the law enforcement unions, speaking to the district attorney's offices, getting fair and balanced feedback when they created these types of laws, decided that they were only going to listen to the Legal Aid Society and the Innocence Project and all these other groups, and that's why we're in the situation that we're in. I do have to also tell you that in the past two to three months, going door to door, it is scary the amount of for sale signs that I've seen on people's homes, especially here on Staten Island. And we're, at a situ- we're in a situation where if things do not turn around quickly, if the economy does not open up, if crime does not go down, people will be leaving here in droves. And that means that the state will not have the proper tax money. To move forward, their, their programs and taxes are going to go up here, and our fellow residents will continue to flee.
2: And I mean, one of the I mean, the economy is one reason people are going to flee, but the other one is you got to feel safe in your homes.
6: Right. It all starts with public safety. If we do not have adequate public safety, we can't even have any other type of conversation about anything else. If you have to worry about being robbed at gunpoint or a knife point on your way to work or on your way to your car then we can't even begin to talk about all the other issues happening in the state.
2: So wait a minute, in summary, let's, let's just say, why are you a better candidate to, to try to get things done than your opponent?
6: Sure, so my opponent has spent his uh, short career working for uh, the state senate. Uh, he worked for the state senate majority. Before that, he worked for the uh, majority, democratic majority in the city council. And he was there, he was part of the majority when all of these laws were passed bail reform laws, uh, driver's licenses for undocumented immigrants. When all these laws were passed, uh, he was part of the majority. So he, in my opinion, is the reason I am running for this seat. He, I am running to fight against this radical progressive agenda while he has spent his short career working for the majority getting these laws passed.
2: And let me let, let's go back to driver's license for you know, illegal aliens, what's wrong? When, right? Why can't they have a driver's license? And we shouldn't say illegal aliens, undocumented aliens, but why shouldn't they have a driver's license?
6: Sure. So uh, the, 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 there's uh, several issues with this, with this situation. The number one issue is that a clerk here in New York state is not equipped to be able to look at the documents provided by the individual and determine whether they are adequate or not, right? They are clerks from the state of New York. Okay, we're not the federal government. We don't have the federal uh, uh, resources at our disposal. That's the number one issue. So somebody could technically walk in here, fake some documents from a foreign country, and obtain a driver's license. That's the number one issue. The second issue is insurance premiums. If people start getting into car accidents, okay, with, with, with these driver's licenses, and we can't even determine who they are, uh, everyone's insurance premiums are going to go up because people are not going to be held on the, on the hook. The third issue... And it's one issue that my uh, the assemblywoman, the Takis, who by the way is supporting me for her seat uh, that I'm running for, uh, she also was able to catch them in the bill that they tried to pass through the legislature. They actually had a little tab that was automatically going to have illegal uh, uh, immigrants automatically registered to vote for municipal elections. They are trying to bypass the federal government. Uh, look, I am the son of immigrants. My parents came here for the American dream. They are refugees from Cyprus. My parents lost everything in 1974, and they came here for a better life. So I understand. I am the son of immigrants. We came here for the American dream, but there must be control for our safety and for our quality of life. I have nothing against people coming here for the American dream. This district represents many immigrants, uh, and and I am proud of that. I am proud to be one of those uh, families coming from, uh, from an immigrant family, uh, but there needs to be control, and the federal government is the one that needs to control uh, these things, not the state.
2: Now, the last few days before the election, if somebody wanted to find out more about Michael Tanousis, how would they do that?
6: Yes, so I, I encourage everyone to please visit my website. Uh, that is MikeTenousis.com. that's m i k e t a n n o u s i scom I also encourage them to follow me on my Facebook page, which is uh, Mike Tenusis uh, for Assembly, Uh, T-A-N-N-O-U-S-I-S for Assembly as well. I have uh, continuously updated all the things I'm doing, uh, all my uh, platform agendas and uh, everything, uh, information also in regards to voting as well.
2: Michael, just for the older people like me, can you spell your name again, your last name?
6: Yes. Yes. My last name is T-A-N-N. O-U-S-I-S
2: Okay, Michael. Good luck on Election Day. You know, let's get a more balanced government in there after November 3rd.
6: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mr. Connors, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you so much.
3: Good luck. How can
4: I protect my family if something happens to me?
3: What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings? Our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of grandpa?
2: Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Obviously, it's an election year, but you know, next year is an election year, too. And I understand an old friend of the show is going to be running for, for office next year. Marvin Jeffcoat. welcome to Connor's Corner.
7: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: Now, Marvin, where do you live in Queens? And, and I understand you're going to be running for city council. Where is that?
7: Correct. I, I live in the 26th District. I live in Woodside on 45th Street near St. Teresa's. And um, the district encompasses Woodside, Sunnyside, Long Island City, and a little bit of Astoria.
2: So you might overlap a little bit with AOC's congressional district then.
7: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, right in the middle of the heart of Woodside. And, you know, I'm doing my best to help John Cummings. Um, he has a very good shot. She's really unpopular. But she is really working the district, and John has been out as well. Um, but, you know, anybody that's uh, not bitten with the uh, socialist bug and that's emotionally frenzied about about her – and her new wave ideology. Anybody that has a a clear mind and can think for themselves can see she's just another person that's going to lead us down the road to disaster. The things that she wants to do have never worked anywhere in the world. And I I hope we get into a little bit of the history of socialism, communism, all the same thing, and and what they've done. You know, I mean, they've, they've decimated parts of the world and they continue to do so. I don't know why we have to, re-educate every generation that this stuff just doesn't work.
2: Now, you, you and I met at uh, Catholic War veteran events. You served in the military. Where did you serve?
7: I served in uh, Fort Benning. Um, well, I, I started out as a reservist while I was in high school and college in the 812 MP company, but then I went on active duty, served at Fort Benning, uh, Fort Campbell, Fort Benning, and Fort Bragg mostly, a couple of tours in Korea, Um, I was in Desert Storm in combat operations, and I retired out of Fort Drum. So most of the time I spent in the Airborne Infantry, Airborne Ranger, doing fun stuff.
2: (laughs) So listen, you know, I mean, obviously we're on radio and, and people, you know, don't see a picture of you ordinarily. You're African American and you decided to become a Republican. Why did you do that?
7: I did that basically because of the history. Now I've always been a fan of history. And if you look at the genesis of the Republican Party, it was formed because the Whigs were too cowardly to take up the issue of slavery again and end it. And, and Republicans have always been about freedom and self-reliance. Now, you know, our, our latest leadership up until Donald Trump has done a very poor job of letting people know just who we are. And they've, they've sat back and let the Democrats paint the picture of us, which is totally inaccurate. Um, you know, self-reliance, it, it takes a lot of work and willpower, but it's it's the way to go. Um, the Democrats have always been the party of slavery and socialism. And, you know, I think that a lot of uh, Marx, Lenin and, and other socialists like Hitler, they, they drew off of what the Democrats did to uh, develop their ideology and their systems. So that's definitely not the party I want to be associated with.
2: Yeah, well, actually, I understand a lot A lot of the laws from Nazi Germany were derived from the Jim Crow laws of the Southern Democrats after the Civil War.
7: Absolutely. Uh, my understanding is that that's how he drafted his uh, his Nuremberg laws. Uh-huh. They looked at that. They, you talked with uh, Ellis about Margaret Sanger. They looked at some of what she did with eugenics. I mean, these are horrible people, Democrats, Planned Parenthood. and People don't realize... You know, they say to me, you know, you're kind of walkish and you talk history. How does that affect my bottom line here and now today? Well, if you look at it, Margaret Sanger uh, formed Planned Parenthood and the Democrats are they're doing this to everybody, by the way. I don't I don't stop at, at the race line um, because they've pretty much gotten control of and tried to decimate the, the black American community. But they're doing that across every pedigree. And you know, so these people, these evil people, once they have no 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 use for you anymore, they they've convinced mothers and fathers in some cases to abort their babies. I mean, that is horrible. That I mean, you can't get any any more malicious than that. I mean, you're telling somebody to to kill their offspring, you know. And they talk about my body, my choice, but nobody asked the baby. I think it was Reagan that said, if uh, if babies had a vote. We wouldn't have abortion. The woman said that was smart because it's
2: true. Well, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, we've had it on enough, but, but Mark, it's saying it was truly, I mean, you know, the word racist obviously is used, you know, too wildly too you know, it, it's not used to, to cover it, but she was a racist.
7: Absolutely. And, I, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because in order for us to unite, Whites have to stop fearing the word racist and blacks have to stop overusing it. I mean, if, uh, if, there's some, if you have a shortcoming, and, and we, I hope we talk about the way Democrats try to um, make blacks feel defective so they can control them. But, you know, if, if you lose it, something in life, you have to do some self-reflection, take responsibility and, uh, and make corrections so that you can succeed next time. But if you know you're not a racist, you can't let somebody call you a racist. you got to stand up to them. You know, President Trump has denounced racism and white supremacy going back over 40 years. And every time he goes on TV, he has to renew that vow again like he's never done it before. And and these people that do that, they're disingenuous. They know it. And they, they get away with doing it because you have a lot of people that are out there that are misinformed and That's the only thing they can stick on because when you talk to somebody about, well, what don't you like about the president? After all he's done for everybody in America, they say, well, you know, and I say, well, no, I don't know, so please tell me. And the the one thing they seem to be able to go back to is is the racism card. And being a racist is a really vile thing to be, and that was Margaret Sanger and Adolf Hitler. So I could see how someone would be taken aback to be considered a racist, but if you're not, you owe it to everybody around you to stand up and say, no, you're wrong, I'm not, and this is why. And once we get to that point where we take individual responsibility for who and what we are, and we're able to call other people out and say, no, I'm not going to allow you to define who I am, that's when we can unite and we can fight the socialism that has infested our government, our bureaucracy, and every one of our institutions. I mean, it really is... The cancer that's destroying us from within.
2: Now you know we talked about Ellison. Uh, he was on our show a few weeks ago, and you know maybe I'm not saying from my point of view. Maybe he went too far from my point of view. But what do you, what do you think of, of his comments? Well,
7: I, I think it was alarming. Um, you know, we need to unite as Christians and educate others and confront Democrats and their global socialist masters. As Christians, we need to start voting for our own best interests. You know, we're working class people, we're managerial, we're we're uh, pro life yet we vote these people in that want to control our lives and do the exact opposite. And it's a known fact that the socialist goal has always been to replace religion with the state. The salient point for me that sticks out from Ellis's is is, it's his description of how Democrats make blacks feel defective to control them. Now who would describe that process used by global socialists in his book masters of deception, you know, where socialists they targeted American clergy for induction or scorn and contempt that they couldn't control them. And Ellis describes an enlightened black vantage point. He's a, he's a Southern black. He, He grew up on a plantation or in the Jim Crow South, but, um, Global socialists have done that with every pedigree to make them feel disaffected and disenfranchised from American patriotism. So it's not just a black issue. He takes the black perspective. But if you look at it, they've done it to everybody in order to divide and conquer us. Yuri Bezmenov described what he termed as the soft brainwashing when he defected to the Soviet Union in the 1980s. And that's really taken a toll on young white males in their sense of self-worth. And that's important because Blacks are 12% of the U.S. population. Asians, about 4%. but whites are 79%, and that's a lot of disaffected people. So it's not this thing uh, where, uh, you know, if if you get up every morning and and you have to go to work saying, how am I going to overcome my defect and my handicap, they really have you in a bad way. and and So it's, it's not a color issue. It's not letting the enemy, the socialists among us, paint you as if what they want you to be
2: now let me ask you you know we talked a little bit before we got on the air Kamala Harris do you have any comments about her and her candidacy? as a law school graduate and so forth
7: correct she's, a, she's another vile person um you know as as a law school graduate having to take um the professional ethics exam you know, she violated her oath, and California should look to disbar her, but as long as this area is in charge of another Democrat, as long as you have these Democratic machine-run states and cities, there's never going to be any accountability and justice. But, you know, she's violated her oath. She, number one, she prosecuted a lot of young black men, if you want to put the race element in there, for minor infractions, things that uh, Joe Biden's son Hunter gets away with, with carte blanche. But yeah, if you violate the law, you open yourself up, so you have to deal with that. But what she did is, is she covered up evidence that would have exonerated people in order to have a winning record. I think that's disgusting and, and despicable. You know, she um, denied people their liberty, knowingly, with malice. I mean, it, it, what she did is criminal. She should be prosecuted for it, and at a minimum, she should be disbarred because she's an unethical person. And that's not somebody you want to be your vice president. God forbid if they were to win, number one, God forbid that. But if, if they did win and something happened to uh, Joe Biden, God forbid she becomes the president. She, I mean, she's as unethical as he is with the um, and China and all these other dirty dealings that the press won't deal with and uh, the FBI, Department of Justice, doesn't seem to be able to prosecute. I mean, you know, you have evidence of crime and... They won't do anything about it. So she,
2: she's not a good person. Well, you know, you talked about Joe Biden and hacking along. You, you know, I see a lot of people and I, I, I see people at the beginning stages of Alzheimer's and dementia, and whatever. And, you know, I, I probably see hundreds, if not that. I probably have seen hundreds, if not thousands of those people over the years. And I tell you, Joe Biden's in there.
7: I think so. Um, you know, he, he forgets key things simple things like is he running for the senate or is he running for the presidency of the united states i mean you know he, he he's um not not sharp at all i mean it's a one that he remembers that he's a democrat at least he can remember that much i think uh that it shows you the depravity of the democrat party i mean is this really the best they can put up after all president trump has done for this country i mean rising tide lifts all boats and until they attacked him with the Wuhan flu, he had this country firing on all cylinders and we were getting things done. Jobs were being created. Manufacturing was being brought back. And once uh, you know, once they saw in Davos, Switzerland that they couldn't buy him, they got scared. And they decided to sidetrack him. But then they put up the two worst people. I mean, Kamala Harris on that stage was the least like person. And Joe Biden was the least sharp among them. And it's clear that he has cognitive issues where he can't remember critical things. He can't even remember what state he's in, um, what office he's running for, and they're using him. They're taking advantage of him. I don't know why. I mean, I don't think he has the popularity or the credibility. He just sold Barack Hussein Obama down down the uh, drain out here because uh, he's going to make it Biden care instead of Obamacare. But I wouldn't want to put my name on on any of that because it's you know it's it's the uh, esopian language that they use they call it something that it's not it's it's not the affordable care act it's, it's the uh, i'm going to take everybody's care and give it to somebody else act but they put they put up the two worst candidates and they're taking advantage of a man that clearly has diminished capacity i don't think i don't think he's cognizant enough to sign his
6: own will I think that <laughs> that, he, you, you know, you you know, know what, it. I hate
2: to say it, but I make a lot of judgment calls of whether somebody can sign a will. I think he probably could, but at the same time, I think he's getting to the point where he may not be able to. You, you,
7: you know, if I was practicing, I would, <laughs> I would be afraid to be part of that process.
2: with him. Well, let me ask you something. You're talking about bad leadership. We both live in New York City. You're going to be running for the city council. Yeah. You know, talk about bad leadership. Could it be worse than what we have in New York City right now?
7: I don't think so. I think uh, Antifa and BLM are more active in uh, out west, in in, in Portland and Seattle. That might make it worse. But the leadership itself, it could not be any worse. I mean, from the state down to the city, they're violating our first 14th and 5th Amendments. I mean, you, you look at the takings clause, they've basically rendered business worthless, and there's no compensation. Letting somebody move out into the street is not compensation, but they're not even doing it on the sidewalks. They're putting them in the streets where people are unsafe. Um, this whole movement to defund the police is because they got caught. You know, it, it's difficult to explain to voters how history impacts their current lives. But the infiltration of our government and bureaucracy began way back before 1919. And we see the devastating effects of it with Antifa BLN in New York, Seattle, and Portland. And they were key communist strongholds back in 1958 when Hoover wrote Massive Deception. Now, these same cities, these same cities have bankrupted their jurisdictions with mandatory race, justice, and gender identity training simultaneously, all at once. This, so none of this was by accident. Now they seek to defund their police department. I mean, that's a total dereliction of duty. They're placing life, liberty, and, and freedom at peril. And, and they're trying to make up for their uh, fiscal mismanagement with those mandatory training courses for city employees by taking it away from the police department. This serves it a dual purpose. It, you know, It creates the chaos and fear that they need for their takeover, but it also undermines our Judeo-Christian value system. So there, there's... Uh, Poor leadership examples all over the place. But I'll tell you, another area of poor leadership is the Chamber of Commerce, because I I look at the local uh, saloons. You know, they've had their property basically taken from them, and and they pay dues to be in the Chamber of Commerce, and nobody's standing up for them. I can't understand how they haven't filed a class action for a Fifth Amendment takers clause violation. You look at the church, finally um, Bishop DiMarzio and them, they filed— a suit against I, I think it was Cuomo for um, violating our First Amendment rights. You, you can go to Costco and Walmart, but you can't go to mass on a Sunday. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. And and once, you know, day, it's, it's funny. They start with religion. You, you have, like Ellis said, you have your brown shirts out there in the form of Antifa BLM enforcing uh, their new rules. And, and also they're taking away your religious uh, liberties. They, they started. Bullying the Orthodox Jewish Jewish community, and and they uh, they rebelled against that. I'm very proud of them for doing that. Our, our Jewish brothers and sisters were right to do that, and I'm finally glad to see Bishop Dimarzio take the lead on that and file suit. But unfortunately, probably an Obama appointed judge, um, you know, he he uh, he didn't squash it. But they they I don't know exactly where the case is right now, but they. It's kind of put a, a pause on it, but it's, it's very poor leadership. Um, the money's out. He's, he's going to have to lay off those 22,000 city workers, managers are being furloughed. He's causing a lot of pain in the city. He's handicapped the police. Um, you and I were both MPs, and as you know, the first lesson you learn in MP school is the first level of force is a show of force. In order for us to get back the streets and make them safe, it's going to have to be a violent confrontation. I mean, we know that. We realize that. When this is all over with and somebody else takes over, the police are going to have to go back and show their presence. And all the intelligence work they did, everything they did under Giuliani to make this city safe is lost. They're going to have to start from scratch. And they're going to have to confront these people. So, he, you know, he's put everybody in peril, and he won't back down. He's doubled down on what he's doing. You know, there's a lot of evidence out there that the masks don't work and the mandates don't work the, um, you know, the mandatory shutdowns, they don't work. And they refuse to hear this evidence. So what I want to do is I want to ask the questions why you made the decisions you made when you made them. And I want to prosecute these people. They violated our rights. 14th Amendment. The bars are being treated differently than uh, restaurants. I mean, there's no evidence whatsoever that eating food would block COVID-19. None. But they, they force bars to have to serve food. That's a 14th Amendment violation. They're being treated differently. And I I hear a rumor. Lawyers should never work on rumor. But I hear a rumor that um, the restaurant industry lobbied Cuomo so that they could have that put in the lockdown. So now, you know, and and people, again, people say, well, how does your theory on globalism and transnational corporations, how does that factor into my daily life? Well, here here you go. You have these transnational corporations and these international uh, players that – You know, they they come up with these rules with carve-outs for themselves, and all your local mom-and-pop shop uh, saloons and pubs, they'll go out of business. Guess what? You can only now drink at Applebee's or Longhorn or any of the other, at least national, chains. And, uh, you know, when AOC chased away Amazon, I'm not— you know, Amazon is, is a transnational corporation, but we could have negotiated that so that we could employ people in Ravenswood and the Queensbridge houses and other parts of my district but, you know, she, she chased them all away. But Amazon will be happy to come back in after this lockdown kills all. I mean, he's, de the, the Blasio is streaming this thing out so long that businesses are going to be gone forever. Guess what? Amazon, Costco, and the rest of them will be happy to move in and, and take over the mom-and-pop shop business. But the, the difference is that they're going to dictate to you what's available for you to buy. So you no longer have a choice. I mean, it
2: all plays in. You're making some very good points. You're making a lot of common sense. Hopefully, you know, we're going to see you at the uh, victory party a little over a year from now.
7: I hope so.
2: (laughs) Right. Marvin, thank you for everything. Thank you for your service to the country, you know, in the military. Thank you for, you know, fighting the good fight out there in Queens.
7: And, And, Mike, if I might say, um tell your listeners to go to marvinjeffco.com if they can help out with our campaign, make donations. We're gonna need troops on the ground to collect signatures and get the word out about the common sense things we want to do for the district. So marvinjeffco.com.
2: Yeah, and you're gonna be on the show as much as you want after the first of the year.
7: Thank you very much.
2: All right, Marvin. Good much luck.
7: Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye.
0: I think I just found myself believing that I didn't need God. I just had everything under control, and church was actually a a burden to me.
3: I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time. gradually quit going.
1: No, I didn't take my faith seriously, which which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. You can have
0: a beautiful car, a big fancy home, but if you don't have Christ in your life, there's an emptiness
3: that's there.
1: We are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust, especially as a man, but there's a true freedom. To not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. Thank God I'm home.
3: Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it.
4: There's peace in our home that we didn't have before.
0: You're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you.
3: If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. I have children. How can I protect them if something happens Will my to assets me? be lost if I go into a nursing home? We have property. How will it affect the ones still here? Who will help us take care of grandma? How many people, what percentage of people voted for our mayor last time? You were talking about that early, How? why it's so important to go out and vote. Because you never do, maybe you don't figure how important, very, very important is each vote is important.
2: You know, I don't know. I see a lot of people each week, and I don't see anybody ever said they voted for de Blasio. And, of course, really not that many people did. And we got the government we deserved because there was nobody... You know, nobody showed up to vote in in that election and I know sometimes you live in New York, you feel voting in an election is meaningless, is hopeless, you know, but at the same time we gotta we gotta keep up the good fight, you know, and, and Marvin's gonna be running for a city election next next year. I really hope, you know, that he starts to make an impact. He's he obviously I don't think I don't know who's going to be running against him. It's going to be a Democratic primary, but I bet you ten to one the person in the Democratic primary cannot, who wins that, is not going to be able to compete with Marvin on an intellectual level and to be able to to debate, you know, Marvin on on any substance. Of course, they'll probably try to avoid the debates, or you know, like getting back to our friend Max Rose, who didn't even show up at the Diker Heights Civics Association debate and just skipped that. A on. no show. Yeah. Can't can't knock Max Rose enough and you know, the last weekend
3: before <laughs> oh the election. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you know, the other thing is, besides just Max Rose on the federal level, don't forget the local elections. Um we've got you know, Vito Bruno running against Andrew Gernardis right now, and it's the state that passed the veil reform laws that have crippled us so much this year on top of everything else. It's the state and the city that chose the rule, set the rules during the pandemic. So those officials, Cuomo and De Blasio, state and city, those people need to be brought to task just as much as the federal. It's not as dramatic, it's not as showy, it's not a, but you know it's not on the national news every day, but it affects you maybe even more than what goes on in Washington DC. So don't forget to vote not just at the top of the ticket but all the way down. Who are our candidates this year? Ours for our district are Michael Tenousis for the Assembly, who we just heard from, Nicole Malliotakis for Congress, Vito Bruno for State Senate, and of course President Trump at the top of the ticket, all of whom were endorsed this week by the New York Post.
2: And have been endorsed by this radio station.
3: Hooray!
2: Don't forget to, to vote. Thank you for listening hooray. to this. lawyer with William. we are gathered here. Bye
3: Thanks
4: for joining us. The
7: voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on Hallock Ground to sing this song.